Sugar's collar and leash were found inside the apartment. No sugar. Police found PCP dust, however, on the dog walker, and he was... Uh, and we hope not the dog, because otherwise we need is a fucking they pit bull running around on angel dust. Well, that somewhere there is an angel. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. That's terrifying. From the smallest room in New York City comes the show that gives you a reason to live. You ever notice people who own animals are the people most often charged with animal cruelty? The Brooklyn woman with a bevy of bunnies arraigned in criminal court accused of cruelty to animals. And prosecutors say 35-year-old Dorota Trek kept 176 rabbits in deplorable living conditions. What, no carrots or something? Wow. Uh, do, you, do you know how bad the conditions have to be before they're considered deplorable by rabbit standards? Yeah. Some of the animals had syphilis. Some had bodies, which were covered with bite wounds. That is sick. She should be charged with animal cruelty and something more. I mean, minimum, since apparently she's been biting and having unprotected sex with the rabbits. <laughs> Who bites rabbits? The ASPCA uh, seized her bunnies. They seized her, you know. Yes, that's right. The ASPCA took my bunnies away. They took them away. Away from me. I don't know if you've ever had your bunnies seized by a privately funded not-for-profit, but it could be pretty tragic. Joining me now, a criminal defense attorney, Jim Polk. Hello. In America's largest city, world's loneliest town. Bunny seizure. Bunny seizure. Is there anything more traumatic? Ah, it's hard. A lot, probably. I've represented a few of these animal hoarder types. These are nightmare freaking cases. Yeah, why? Well, because, I mean, usually... Usually the kind of underlying situation is is that, yes, the rabbits are living in deplorable conditions, but so's your client. Um, you know, I mean, because let's face it, these are probably all in the house that doesn't have plumbing, that the garbage has been built up, and, you know, it's some woman who's lost her freaking mind. Well, can they also, uh, you know, give her, like, some sort of, uh, I mean, I mean, the fact that she's keeping the bunnies in the same standard as herself, you yeah. know, it's sort of like, um, okay then, right? That makes well, it it's, okay. it's, to me, it's, it's like, is this really criminal? Mm. It's not something you obviously want, and you want to discourage it any way you can. I mean, for example, I had a woman who um, had a whole bunch of cats, and the reason she was keeping them locked in her house is because she would feed all the strays in her neighborhood. And um, one day her neighbor said, if I see any more strays, I'm going to shoot the fucking cats. And so she locked them all in the house where they, you know, diseases spread rapidly. They started, you know, attacking each other and things like that. And uh -huh. Meanwhile, when we when she got arrested and hired us, and you know she had the money to hire us, and she didn't have any plumbing, we had, oh. to, we had to dump a bucket of water in her toilet every time she used it. Was it just? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I mean seriously, there was just junk piled everywhere. It was awful, but she didn't really intend to hurt any of these animals. Right, but she wasn't taking care of them properly either. No, I mean she was taking them to the vet and things, and the vet was kind of like, "Um, this is getting worse." <laughs> I see. So, what was uh, the eventual result? Well, there? We actually, um, we got her into mental health court, and um, you know, and and they 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 kind of got her on the proper medication and with the proper therapy, and she started to focus, and and you know, and and uh, I I think things are better. So I don't essentially, know. these things are. Why didn't she just plead not guilty uh, by reason of insanity? It would have been a really well. I might have actually pled not guilty directly and gone to trial and said, "Prove the cruelty." Oh, well, I Prove mean, your intentional cruelty here. Oh, there has to be intent. Yeah, there does. I mean, intent like can be, be biting in a lot of ways, you know, and it's... <laughs> I would I would have thrown that before a jury and said, look it. Yeah. She's obviously mentally unstable, but sure. there's no intention to hurt any of these animals. She was actually trying to care for them, and she lost the ability. You really want to convict her of something? 
Mm. So she, this woman here, uh, uh, faces a Dorota Trek faces up to a year in jail. Yep. On two animal cruelty charges, uh, and uh, even worse. Uh, well, now, here's the other thing. Now uh, she's suing them. Now you know, uh, suing the city. Mm-hmm. She's suing the city. Yeah, they always want to do this. Well, the animal hoarder types. Yeah, yeah, because they don't want their bunnies taken. From yeah, they them. want them back. Yeah, they actually want. Now, what is it that somebody get? Now, I know that you're, you know, not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. You're an attorney, but what, what do you think is that? You've met these people. You've worked with them. Why? What arguments do they give for why they should have all these animals? They don't give arguments. They 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 sort of feel that this is the one thing they can care for in their lives and that, that these animals are worse off than, than they were than when they were with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's obviously some kind of deep, deep psychosis. And they're usually actually people from more upper middle class backgrounds who haven't had to work and engage with other people as much as the normal people. I see. I mean, they're usually people who don't have to work. They're usually trust fund people who, like, you know, have sort of aged out of society, if you will. Isolated from uh, the regular uh, uh, people. Well, see, uh, the cost of the upkeep, because since since they got taken from the uh, from this woman, it's hundred. It's forty thousand dollars has been spent so far on the rabbits just to keep up with one hundred seventy six rabbits. So, which is, uh, yeah, they could have just killed a third of them. You know, well, I mean, whoops, <laughs> sorry. I mean, kind of a rabbit's whole purpose on earth is food. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has no viable means of self-defense other than its own speed. It's rather soft. I mean, everything eats it. Well, the feet are used for good luck. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's. But you could still spend 40000 on a lot more useful stuff. You would think, yes. Somebody's hungry somewhere. Uh, assist- and there's plenty of rabbits. <laughs> hey, get your syphilis rabbit. <laughs> Assistant DA uh, Mary uh, Monahan demanded that she either pay for the pricey uh, ra- or, uh, rabbits uh, care or sign over ownership to the city. Sign them over. Yeah. I, why not just do that? They always, they always want. You would not believe how difficult that is. Oh, they I also, see. at the end of these cases, they always want an order from a judge that the person is barred from owning an animal for a period of time, and those become a nightmare, too, with your client explaining Trying to follow up, yeah. 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 Well, the, she's suing him now for... Uh, how much do you think she's suing him for? Try to, here's what she's... First of all, I would tell you what she's accusing uh, these people of, uh, the, the people who, you know, took away her bunnies. Uh, loss of reputation, mm-hmm. shame, mortification, and hurt feelings, and temporary loss of rabbits. I didn't realize that was a tort. I missed I missed that in law school. The 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 whole chapter on temporary loss of rabbits. Temporary loss of rabbits. Yeah, I think that might be a taunt. You know, yeah. get these rabbits back. Uh, let me guess. Is this one of those like over the top ones, like one point ten million or something, one point two million or something like that? Or oh yeah, it's a little over the top. Okay, well, what's the number? Two billion. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously she just filed that herself. She's suing for $2 billion. Yeah, she filed that herself is mm-hmm. what that means. She's, oh, yeah. yeah. So if you file it yourself, you'll just name a number. Well, right. I mean, no attorney would ever put $2 billion for anything like that. It would be summarily dismissed, and mm-hmm. you'd probably be up on an ethical panel for that. <laughs> but you know she just went down to the courthouse. They have those fill-in forms. She filed it. She accuses Big Apple Bunny's founder, 41-year-old Natalie Reeves, of a wrongful arrest, trespassing, defamation, harassment, and wrongful seizure. So I guess the Big Apple Bunnies is this, uh, you know, some sort of company that, uh, you know, I guess is looking after, I guess it pretty much explains itself, right? Big Apple Bunnies, they're looking out, out for the bunnies. And, and How do they make any money? She she also, <laughs> here's here's another thing. She, uh, the, uh, Dorota Trek accuses this, uh, uh, how do they, how do, I don't know. There I mean, I know a, how hard it is for people to make it at like a restaurant. 
And I know how much I struggle to even like make payroll on things as a law firm at times, mm-hmm. and, you know, where I, I can charge retainers in excess of fifteen, twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. How do you make money doing big apple bunnies? Like, well, <laughs> you know, that's like, I guess it's probably like a, a charitable organization. I would assume probably but, one of those people like you're talking about with the money in the family. And stuff. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 my guess is this is not a big money maker for her. <laughs> She's not getting rich off big apple bunnies. Uh, she's accusing this woman uh, of uh, <laughs> to wrote a track. This is the woman now who's suing for two yes. billion. Got her rabbits taken away from her by uh, the founder of Big Apple Bunnies, Natalie Reeves. So she's mad at Natalie Reeves. She says that. Uh, and they, this is the other thing that's very typical in these animal hoarders. There's always one investigator, mm-hmm. one city official, one person from the ASPCA who. They focus and they feel that this person has a conspiracy against them. They really... Uh, they know. are convinced that this person is out to get them mm. and that they made everything up. Well, she accuses not only of uh, making everything up and everything, she accuses her of, quote, dreaming that she has control over the whole rabbit world in New York City. Well, you know, I mean, I guess I guess the, I guess the poor and downtrodden rabbit-owning people are, are, are restless. It's sort of like a... It's a new labor struggle in the rabbit-owning right. communities it's of getting, New York so City. Get, you get more than 100 rabbits, and people start <laughs> giving you a hard time, hassling you, thinking they control the whole rabbit world. I didn't know there was a rabbit world in New York City. It's, uh, it's in her smear campaign, Reeves refuses to acknowledge Dorota Trek's extensive achievements with rabbits. And how wonderful for the community the rabbit project is. And the Oscar for extensive achievement in the field of rabbit <laughs> goes to extensive achievements with rabbits. And, and to, to go unacknowledged and then to have your bunnies seized. Well, I mean, we can sympathize with this one. I say give her the two billion. <laughs> Give her the two billion. Be, be aware, it is de Blasio's New York, where the word is settle everything. So if she walks away with a dime on this, we we should all be offended. Did you know how many rabbits? Like uh, just two rabbits? Yeah, there's like a, they did a, one of those things where they extrapolate how many in a few years, how many rabbits that can turn into. Oh God, it's absurd number. Starting with two, uh, by year seven, you can have uh, it's 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 ninety four uh, billion. Yeah. 862 million some odd Did rabbits. you know rabbits can actually be one of the only mammals that can get pregnant while already pregnant? Wow. Like they can they can already be pregnant and they can basically add fetuses. Send in, send in your jokes about certain minorities. <laughs> oh, New York City Jesus. Crime Report. I d- <laughs> How do you always do this? How do I well, the thing tell is, an innocent joke about rabbit sex? <laughs> well, I look, I'm just I'm just trying to help the listener here. Yeah. Uh, for some, a life of crime is all they know. Now, in our last episode, we talked about the churro lady, uh, Anna churros. Alvarado. Now, she's been arrested seven uh, times in the last two and a half years. Uh, you've seen the churro lady down there. She's Well, I mean, you're not on the subway all that much, but she's down there. I've, I've, I've seen the churro lady. I've lived in New York. I wasn't always rich in New York. She gets uh, 200 churros for $46, makes about $80 a day. And so uh, they, they made a big deal about uh, this in, in DNA Info, how sometimes she gets arrested, they hassle her, they take her churros... Uh, and and then they uh, you know they they eat them community policing they they take away the churros and then they put them in their mouths and they uh, this is a problem for you know like like Gawker also you know chimed in on this so uh, you know g- given that they cost about a quarter a piece uh, why does anybody you know uh, care do you think 
You know, no. I mean, would you would you ever? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> she should sue them for two billion. This is this is the problem I have with this whole concept of broken windows and community policing. You're harassing churro ladies, or the guys selling batteries, or the fucking kids doing Showtime. I mean, it's kind of sure these things may be unpleasant to look at from time to time, or they even may be downright annoying. Mm-hmm. But you know, this isn't really criminal activity. And yeah, obviously she's breaking the law. I'm sure she doesn't have a license to sell churros on the streets of New York City, but. You know, when they're not busy choking people to death in Staten Island, I guess what they do is go bother the churro people. Well, she says, T- I tell police, please don't take me. You're taking food away from my children. Yeah. You know, but, they, but that... See, I guess her kids don't like churros? I, that's exactly what I said. Why don't you just give them the churros? And plus, I'm getting an erection here from hearing about these deprived children. Nothing arouses me more. <laughs> just children not and getting something. They, yes, <laughs> they're not getting their food. <laughs> but seriously... That gets turned on when those, like, children in need commercials come on late at late at night right next to those girls gone wild yeah it's, yeah. It's, yeah it's easy to conflate the two do you think it is just uh, do you, she says do you think it is just for them to arrest somebody who, uh, for working and throw them in a cell with drug dealers and prostitutes the churro lady is this a free consultation okay, session with james Polk? is anna the churro lady asking me a question <laughs> well do you think it's just no i don't i i think this is this is this is like arresting people for for having a drink on their front porch. Well, she's say, but she's saying thing. with drug dealers and prostitutes. And if there's one thing I can't stand, it's a crime snob. You know, <laughs> she said she sometimes was kept overnight in the precinct. You know, with drug dealers and prostitutes. Yes. Oh my God. Uh, do you now? Uh, I don't know. She just says she just she's. Uh, first of all, you know, a cop can eat a lot of churros in that in that amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and they and they they blew the lid off this conspiracy DNA info and 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 uh, Gawker. A fine piece of investigative say, journalism. It truly is, and I've quoted their story extensively. Gawker's story was entitled "NYPD Stealing Mad Churros." Well. They picked up the thread of the story. I'm going to pull it out till this whole city unravels like the top uh, flap foot Commissioner Bratton's cheap suit jacket. Uh, the, the cops keep busting the churro Something lady. Something stinks here, boss, yeah. and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Yes, exactly. When they're not busting the churro lady, where are the cops? Think about it. Yeah. At Dunkin' Donuts. They're basically acting as a goon squad to protect big donuts against the insurgent That's very pop- churro you know threat. Yeah, they are. You know, I also don't believe in churros, but someone comes to them and says, I have churros. If you put up $46, we can make 80, 120 distributing. So they so can't, can't refuse. <laughs> but I don't want them sold near schools. <laughs> Alvarado, you moved to the States 20 years ago, or she did rather, and she uh, first started. So this is extensive churro lady coverage. Uh, when her husband <laughs> left her, and her two kids, several years ago, she started selling churros. She said, my husband left us. He doesn't uh, pay. So now what am I supposed to do? Well, the best thing I found was selling churros because I make 80 to $90 in one day. And I can still take care of my kids. Well, uh, she's part of a bigger picture, you know. You arrest for the small crimes in hopes of catching bigger fish. Broken windows policing. Like yep, you, you got you, it. You don't think that works? No, I mean, the churro lady, she obviously knows who the largest drug kingpin in the fucking county is well, because even though he's living in his, you know, palatial apartment under his false name protected by his layers of middle management, he has to get his 25-cent churro from the one train stop. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> come on. I know she doesn't speak English, but I got my friend Carlos, who works in the kitchen at Caroline's, to translate it for me into Spanish, just broken windows policing, and here it is in Spanish. Broken windows policing in Spanish. Arrestando a las minorías. I really hope that's what it actually is, that's, and Carlos just didn't tell you to say something funny. No, I'd say I trust Carlos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's the policy of the NYPD. It's not meant to be harassment. It's just 
a crime-fighting solution for the city. Aris Tondo Alas Minorias. You know, I might say it sounds better in Spanish than in English. Such a pretty language. It makes everything sound romantic, doesn't it? Aristando alas minorias. Mi quiero pedazo de culo. From the Bronx, not just a story, a tall tale, six stories tall. 17-year-old boy, rooftop, police chase, a fall, Akeem Kuda, stoned on reefer, Valentine Avenue, building lobby, his boys likewise ripped from the headlines on the Indo around 7.35 p.m., Spotted. Officers alerted. Cops approached. The kids bolted up to the roof. Cuda lost his footing. Fell six stories. Cuda of Mott Haven at St. Barnabas died. NYPD's internal affairs was investigating. In the West Village, seven bean-licking bulldaggers in their 20s. Under arrest. Charged with felony punching and kicking gang assault of a 37-year-old woman outside a lesbian bar. Badly injuring her eye. It's outside Henrietta Hudson around 4 a.m. Uh, three made bail and four Todger Dodgers still cooling their tits at Rikers at the time of this story. Well, they beat I'm not sure up. I have the vocabulary to really understand what's going on now. Well, <laughs> you got to get hip. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I have a story here about a creepy uncle who fondled his niece on a bus. Oh, now I'm back with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's in English. Yeah. Creepy uncle followed, uh, fondled his six-year-old niece on a city bus on the Q53. Middle of the afternoon, 2.05 p.m., horrified passengers saw the Queens man touch the girl inappropriately. Police met the bus at Woodhaven Boulevard and 63rd Drive, and they took Uncle Touchy... Oh, near where I live. ...into custody, and the girl, who wasn't hurt to Elmhurst Hospital for observation. Well, I, I assume that's going to be just a, just a hell of a, a, a horrible tra- trauma for that girl. Both both having to ride the bus mm-hmm. and then being groped. Yeah, <laughs> just being on the bus. I've never been on a New York City bus. No? I, in, in, in the 12 years I've lived here, I've never been on one of their buses. Well, let me oh, tell no, you. no, not true. I took one from the airport once. Didn't the care airport. for the experience. It is some old lady shit. Yeah. Auxiliary cops gone rogue. On the rich Upper East Side, two shiftless auxiliary police thugs staged a cowardly robbery of a hard-working deliveryman. The two sort of cops, James Kiernan and Jordan Martinez, both just 22, met the 48-year-old deliveryman when he arrived to drop off food to a 14th-floor apartment. Now, a quick explanation about the auxiliary police force. We've talked about this before. This is from the NYC.gov official description of what they do. She says, uh, it says on here, they are civic-minded men and women who volunteer to assist. They're, first of all, civic-minded. That's important. Meaning that if you're 22 years old, you should already raise suspicion. <laughs> Local police precincts and, and the housing police uh, service areas and transit districts, are, they perform uniformed uh, patrol in their communities. They're the guys in the white shirts. Not the blue shirts. Well, some white shirts are sergeants, though, so be careful. Look for stripes and an actual badge. Yeah, exactly. Somebody over 50, maybe. I don't know. They're recruited and trained and equipped by the police department. They come from many diverse backgrounds. By the way, that white shirt in the case uh, of a sergeant might not have a big mustard stain on it. (laughs) I feel (laughs) like the auxiliary police are sloppy, and they come from diverse backgrounds, a myriad of occupations, computer programmers, mechanics, merchants. Merchants, nurses, a lot of nurses after a 16-hour shift. <laughs> of, like, cleaning up people's, like, hemorrhaging blood. They feel like they ought to direct traffic at a freaking crime scene. Yeah, exactly. They say, you know, I just haven't given enough to society today. <laughs> I haven't done enough. 
uh, students and so okay, so it says the men displayed their badges. Now these are back to the uh, these two uh, you know. Shiftless. Well, I wonder what an auxiliary police badge looks like. I bet you it's I bet you it's like the same one you used to get in like the bottom of like the Cheerios box. Yeah, I mean you know if you flash it quick enough and you're there with I a suppose, partner. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they displayed their badges, walked him to the elevator, and they all got off on fourteen. I don't know why they showed their badges to like we're gonna take you upstairs here. <laughs> the resident of the apartment who was supposedly ordered the food he declined the order. I guess they phoned it in already. The delivery man was attacked by the two officers when he arrived back in the elevator. They handcuffed him behind his back, stole one hundred eighty bucks, and his iPhone. They left him in a stairwell. I still think two twenty year old kids signing up to be volunteer police. You have to know something's up. Uh. Auxiliary police provide extra eyes and ears for the police department, it says in the description. <laughs> hey, right. I know where there's a robbery. <laughs> <laughs> they are trained to observe and report, and when necessary, create conditions requiring the service <laughs> of the regular police. They uh, they assist in non-enforcement, non-hazardous duties. There's a whole list of things. Now, what are the requirements? That's what you want to know. Say you live in New York City and you want to be an auxiliary policeman. Hey, Pat, I think this is right up our alley. I was. Why don't we do it? We should. You have to be at least 17. We got that. Done. We're in good health. Proof of good character and satisfactory background. That lets me out. No, no, no. You've never been arrested. I don't know about good. This is a very low standard. I, I, this is New York City. Well, I don't know if I can prove good character, though. <laughs> Must comply with zero tolerance department uh, drug policy. I'm, I'm in on that, by the way. Now I'm drug free. Yeah, me too. Uh, able to read and write English. That I can do. U.S. citizen. Well, down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, live in New York City or one of the. I live here. You must possess a valid New York City. Gosh, I guess I'm in. Well, we're in, we're we're gonna be auxiliary cops. <laughs> no, I don't think we get guns. No, no, Augsies, Augsies don't get cops. Not, we're not Kansas City after all. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Members of the Internal Affairs Bureau, they learned the identity of one of the suspects and quickly determined they were auxiliary officers with the NYPD. Like, oh, those guys. Uh, Kiernan and Martinez. Probably had property of this auxiliary PD on the handcuffs they found the guy in. <laughs> right. Badge number and everything. Yeah. They're uh, charged with some, some stuff. Robbery, burglary, assault, unlawful imprisonment and criminal impersonation and criminal mischief. This is all a very appropriately charged case. I mean, that's very much the definition of what they did. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they should just go, well done. I mean, yeah. we, we are guilty. A pit bull is missing after disappearing in the care of a substandard and unstable dog walker. Sugar's collar and leash were found inside the apartment. No sugar. Police found PCP dust, however, on the dog walker. And he was, uh, and we hope not the dog, because otherwise we need is a fucking they pit bull they, running around on angel dust. Well, that somewhere there is an angel. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. That's they, terrifying, they, they man. Dog got all this a PCP. Dog seeing like dragons with fucking tentacles coming out, just mauling people through the Bronx. <laughs> you need a, you need him really angry and delusional, <laughs> yeah, as well as just regular angry and, and delusional. Now there's a ten thousand dollar reward, by the way. Uh, it, it, to it, stop the killing, <laughs> he said. This uh, this police, like I said, they found PCP dust on the dog walker. He was taken to Bellevue. Uh, he was being held incoherent and not allowed visitors. He was in bad shape himself. You know, that's he hired the wrong dog walker. Yeah, this didn't go on the PCP. Uh, that now, you know who has a dog walking ooh, business ooh. now? Oh, ooh. M Mike DeCorsia. Does he really? Yes, he does. Oh, I wonder if this was him. <laughs> I, it's, no, I don't think it was. I think PCP might make him normal. 
There's a ten thousand dollar reward, five thousand dollars of which put up by NBA All Star David Lee. This is from the fine. Sugar. I'd also like to point out Mike DeCourse is a good friend of mine. So no, no dismant to you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate your su- we appreciate your support so much. This is from the Facebook page, the yeah. Fine Sugar Facebook page. Here are a few updates from our efforts. We are using Pets Detectives. The police are aware, on the lookout, and even have several retired NYPD officers who have volunteered their time to help us. They need to get these auxiliary cops on the case of sugar. We are procuring... This does feel like the kind of case that, that uh, that's better for an auxiliary police. Reviewing uh, any surveillance video that we can get our hands on, and we are checking every imaginable place, speaking with every imaginable delivery guy, doorman, courier, street vendor, taxi driver, in-house, chicken house, other uh, things, uh, bovines, and et cetera. Tommy Lee Jones, <laughs> thank you so much for your suggestions. It says, uh, now... Uh, and that and, and and that's the deal. You didn't uh, realize on, though, on like an angel dust pit bull could sort of be the animal equivalent of Maxim Gelman. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> now who? Now we need an. If we only had a, an animal equivalent of uh, Joe Lazito. Yeah, like some German shepherd that just takes him down. Him down. <laughs> And then gets hosed by the city. You think? So? I think Joe Zito like a like a bulldog or something. I, I, I think Joe Zito would be like one of those nice pit bulls. Yeah, maybe <laughs> like, also know? a pit bull, but yeah, yeah, yeah like but not a, not a dickweed like this PCP guy. Yeah, yeah. By the way, there's another reward uh, for uh, for for finding somebody. I want to get that out so that we can uh, discuss it before we leave. Uh, South Jamaica, Queens. Because we like to report on the money that's floating around out here if you want to help contribute to this. Uh, we reported on the story of an innocent grandmother who was shot in the head Ooh. just for answering her door. 70 uh, 70-year-old Lita Webb was senselessly murdered. Her life snuffed out in an instant by a gunman, uh, most likely retaliating against a gang-affiliated member of her family. Well, the uh, police are offering a $2,000 reward. <laughs> So, Jesus Christ, man. For a stand-up citizen. What's a human life worth? Well, we figured out 2000 2000 uh, fi- By the way, uh, Sugar Maybe they're the negotiating. Dog, Maybe they still think they have some wiggle room. If you find Sugar the Dog, $15,000. Uh, uh, guy who shot grandma. Guy who shot grandma. Two grand. <laughs> if you, It's being offered for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of So it's even a higher threshold. That sh- <laughs> we just got to get a visual on Sugar. Look, we don't actually want to... Give this money to anybody. Uh, but that's it. And just call 1-800-577-TIPS. Hey, Jim, uh, we have um, questions that we're going to discuss on uh, the Patreon. Yes, uh, that's a new segment we have Yeah, going. so I want everybody to, uh, you know, check us out on, on Patreon doing uh, the new, uh, it's, it's well, basically a free consultation. That's what we're calling it. You have a question for Jim, send it to us. If you're on Patreon, we're accepting those from Patreon members, from patrons. And we do appreciate your patronage is at patreon.com. New York City Crime Report, and find us there. And, and there's links there on the Facebook page for that. Please go to the Facebook page. For as close as you'll ever get to talking to me without having to pay me. That's not exactly true, Jim, because sometimes we have a live show. Oh, well, I'll be there for those. Now, we have one coming up in May at Broadway Comedy Club. That's a confirmed date now. It's May 12th. At Broadway Comedy Club. No, I'll be there. Upstairs. You can, you can talk to me for free there, too. Yeah. Well, not free, because you have to pay to see the show. Tickets are five bucks. Yeah. Five dollars. So you can talk to me show. for five dollars. Yes, you can talk to him for five big ones. I'm Tell like me. the Pete Rose now, you're not gonna of like... podcast lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to, like, uh, you know, go into too much of a... Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll talk to... I mean, it's not yeah. an actual consultation. In fact, 
I don't. I don't think that anything they hear you can help be held legally liable for. I'm sure that's a, a concern. Well, there, there will be a warning that says that. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> got to make sure you stay covered. All right. I also got to see an amazing movie last night, a documentary about Gilberto Valle, uh, the Cannibal Cop. They've made a documentary about I'm it. It's called Thought Crimes. It. it comes out on HBO. In HBO, it's an H- HBO documentary. Oh. It's a real thing. Uh, movie maker Aaron Carr. As a uh, sort of a friend of a friend, lucky for me, actually friends of uh, news whore Mandy Statmiller, yes. who's also coming up on an episode. Now, uh, the movie was just amazing. I mean, it really like humanizes uh, Gilberto. You see him a lot with his, uh, you know, family members. Of, I don't want to give too much away. Just a great movie, and she'll be coming up on an upcoming episode soon too and I hope Aaron Carr be able to interview I'm looking forward to seeing this documentary yeah 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 I think I'd like it tune in it'll be on HBO it's called Thought Crimes and um, yeah so also you know tweet at me I'm Pat Dixon and you can tweet at the New York City Crime Report account and the best thing to do since I've thrown so much all all this stuff why are you not on Twitter by the way Jim my firm's on Twitter your firm's on Twitter yeah How, how do we find it um, how do we follow it, Mazzy and Poke? Yeah, I, I, you, you just ask if you more just questions that I know the answers yeah. to. <laughs> Obviously, you're not in charge of your Twitter. Page. No, I'm clearly not. No, well, that's the partner's job. But no, I'm. I, you can find me at MazzyPolk.com. We're on Facebook, um, Mazzy and Polk LLC. I, well, yeah. I'm sure it's hashtag Mazzy and Polk. I'm sure. Right. And you should just use that for everything, unless it's racist. <laughs> I don't think it is. Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, now. CrimeReport.nyc's is where we're found, and I want you to do me a favor. If you're listening to the show, I think everybody's mostly shut it off. Yeah. I'm not going to say everybody's gone. People say we don't leave, but they, let's face it, you're you're probably not still there. Uh, it's getting a bit PBSy at this point. Well, yeah, that's well, you know, that's I take that as a boy. That's that's a real insult. Uh, that was a bit, that was a nasty PBSy. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know that's what we strive not to do. So yeah. go to um, my uh, do me a favor. Okay, here's what we want to do. I need comments. That's what we need. You yeah. know, I want to like go leave a nice comment on iTunes. That's a, some dicks. Leave some like less than fucking uh, flattering comments. Go wait. Hold on a second. That's not true. Yeah, and, <laughs> I can't say that. But uh, leave, what we're See, trying I'm to do. I'm a defense attorney. I'm used to getting hate mail. Pat's yeah. new to this. Exactly. No, I mean I, all these hateful comments. Uh, if you get a chance, leave a big five star review on iTunes. Better yet, listen on Stitcher. If you listen on Stitcher. Uh, I think we're on the comedy chart now. That's great. So so please, you know, go and leave a nice comment. And I think those things factor in. I don't know. But whatever. It helps. It really helps. So a nice, leave a nice comment on uh, Stitcher. And, you know, it's not just to blow up our egos. I mean, you know, it's like I appreciate it, but it doesn't. it's not just for that. But it factors in. And, you know, it, like, helps the listenership. And we're, we're just trying to make a show that a lot of people listen to. Uh, but we appreciate it. Uh, I think we've talked about everything that we do. I think we have. And uh, thanks for being here, Jim. Happy to be Mazzy here. Mazzy and Poke, forcing justice to be your bitch. And uh, you can reach him. There's also a link to his website at uh, crimereport.nyc. For dates uh, where I'm going to be performing in New York City, go to patdixonnyc.com and turn it off. It's over. you going to go. See you later. But... Uh, before you do (laughs) thanks for listening to New York City Crime Report
if you're trying to make a difference in your community. Vaginas. Yes. Vaginas. You know, there's always a word I can't think of. Vaginas. A guy in uh, Alabama went in for a circumcision. Vaginas. And woke up with no penis. Yeah. That's now, vaginas. Yes. Woke up with no penis. Vaginas. No they penis. Them we don't. I'm going to give you my legal expert opinion I first. can't wait to hear this. If you're trying to make a difference in your community. Vaginas. They have yeah. them and we don't. Yes. Yeah. So it's like what's left of it now smells like a normal woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Smelling the microphone of the previous guest. Yeah, we're lucky enough to have on this program a defense attorney who, you know, he, he gives the show some, uh, like, I don't know what you would call that, like some respectability or some weight. Well, uh, you. The, this, uh, you know, there's always a word I can't think of. That would be criminal defense attorney Jim Polk, Mazzy and Polk, making justice work for you. Now he's been uh, defending cases now for how long have you been an attorney, Jim? Um, it's 10 years. Oh, wow. And so... Uh, uh, prior to that, you were uh, obviously a law student. Yes, I was. And where did you go to law school? I was at Hofstra Law School. Hofstra Law School. Uh, and and d- please forgive me, I, I, I'm not really familiar. Where is that? That's uh, Long Island. Oh, at Long Island. That's famous law school, right? It's. I mean, it's a well-known one in the in the area. It's known known outside here. It's it's you know it's a yeah. good school. I, so. I had a good education. Yeah. Still paying for it. <laughs> no kidding, really? Oh God, yeah. It's like, Even with your millions. Like, yeah, my millions. Yes, mm. yes, my millions that bought me that 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 two bedroom palace in Kew Gardens. Oh boy, yeah. I tell you, I've seen it, and it is deluxe. <laughs> it, it certainly is. Uh, what we like to do on a segment here that we uh, that we've sort of created for our our Patreon supporters seems to be popular. Our patrons, yeah. I mean, it's good for the ego. But the thing is, it's it's uh, it's for such a, a select audience, such yes. a small group of people who get to enjoy this, and we will, uh, which is which is why it's it's casual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the good ones. <laughs> it's the best people that we that listen to us, and so you know they know the deal. Um, happy to have them listening. So we have a question here from uh, I guess it's uh, Sajay Marvin. Would you say was it S A G A S A G E? No, sage. 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 I'm looking at it, it's actually S A J E. S A J E. That's how you pronounce that. Sage. I guess Sajay. Sajay. I would think Marvin. Sajay. Sajay. Marvin. Well, Marvin, we're gonna call you Marvin. Yeah. He says this may be out of your scope. Says Sage. But one and a half years ago, I was unnecessarily life flighted between hospitals. I was administered two rounds of morphine before they told me my life was in danger and I should be moved. I was not in danger, uh, I guess is the basis. I was not, and they were looking to move culpability in case of a dramatic, a drastic issue. I signed the release, but after being administered the morphine, but only after being administered the morphine, my insurance doesn't cover the life flight, so I'm stuck with $30,000 in bills. Do I have any grounds to sue the hospital to cover the bill? Because I signed the release while under the influence of the powerful medication. I'm going to give you my legal expert opinion. I first. can't wait to hear this. My, I mean, my my expert legal opinion is that he would not be liable. He was, for Christ's sake, they gave him all his morphine. They pumped him full of drugs, and then they sold him a service that he didn't need. Uh, for crying out loud, uh, that's just it's it's not right to hold him responsible. And by the way, thirty thousand dollars to to fly a helicopter. Well, I mean, have you ever paid for a helicopter? That's what I'm saying. That's a lot. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what helicopters cost. Well, I'm just saying they cost a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think I, that it seems like an undue amount. Yes. No, I mean, the, uh, plus to, to life flight them from one to another. Why would that be necessary? You could drive. I, I don't know. A lot of things here. But, uh, you well, know. I mean, was, you, you he, know exactly why sometimes life flight is necessary. Time is of the essence. Time is of the essence. They need to be there. Life was endangered, uh, endangered and should be moved. So, I, I, you know, I don't know how he injured himself here, but that's, that's the question. And, okay. Uh, so, uh, so I say 
I, you know, maybe not. You say you say he should be able to sue. I think he should. Uh, okay. I think I don't. I don't think he should be stuck. And and should he be able to sue the hospital? Whoever made the decision. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, well, you know, first and foremost, I, I have very limited facts on this particular situation, and this would be a factual thing. And none of this is really legal advice you should follow without consulting an attorney in your area and giving them more facts. But make it clear yeah, to these on, people that when they hear these facts, mm -hmm. that when, what Jim is saying is is something you can take to the bank, yeah, 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 Pat, use it. Pat. Pat, as your legal don't, strategy. Don't kill the segment and say <laughs> in episode two. Yeah, obviously. I mean, if you want to kill off the medium, that's fine. But people do seem to enjoy this. For, for entertainment only. Uh, yeah, for entertainment know, only. But uh, my, my answer is different than yours. And uh, unfortunate part of my job is often telling people what they don't want to hear. And my guess is in this particular situation, they're not going to allow them to sue. Wow. Um, and my guess is because it's a public policy issue because there's going to be a lot of times when life flight is necessary. And if you open the floodgates to them being able to sue every time somebody's insurance doesn't cover the bill, doctors are going to be more reluctant to life flight people who realistically need it, and it's a public health issue. And moreover, I mean, distinctions like this, unless they're just blatant, blatant negligence, it's very hard to sue for something like this. So my guess is, no, he's on the hook for it. Well, <clears throat> I think... One factor might be that they could have asked him before they gave him all that morphine. I mean, if he only made that decision, he'd say, like, yeah, fuck it, man. Yeah, let's go. I mean, maybe, but, you know, it's... I get to ride a helicopter? Yeah, cool. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you know, you that's probably will be... I, why I say that the facts are very important, this will be a very factual distinction as to when everything was done here, but realistically... They gave him technically what's sort of a treatment. It didn't cause any harm, and it may have been necessary. And it's the courts aren't really going to Monday morning quarterback the doctors in this situation when the damages are merely financial. Mm, I see. Like well, I mean, if if, if they crash the helicopter, much better case. Right. Well, that's too bad, <laughs> guys. See, it just, this guy just doesn't have any luck. <laughs> oh, poor Marvin. Well, hey, sorry, Marvin. Uh, yes, and uh, I got to give you the right answer, and that's what my guess would be. But you know, consult with a lawyer in your area. Maybe the med med malpractice laws are different down there. And uh, I believe this is South Carolina. Is that right? Is that where he's? I think from? it was at one of the Carolinas. Well, uh, Mr. Marvin, we do appreciate the uh, question, and I hope that you. Um, I hope I hope something better happens out of yeah, that. Yeah, I hope, I hope yeah. something does come out. For you. We have uh, yeah, because because really, it's it's probably really hard to win stuff like malpractice stuff is probably harder than it used to be. Here's some of these cases where people like a guy in uh, Alabama went, went in for a circumcision and woke up with no penis. Yeah, that's now, that's a good case. <laughs> you would think it's much a good, much better case. Yeah, stronger. You know? well, I mean, the problem with what, problem is what Marvin wants to sue for is is they didn't actually cause him any physical or medical harm. Mm-hmm. They did something that they probably, in hindsight, didn't need to do, uh -huh. but it didn't. It, their negligence in doing that didn't really cause him any harm, other than this this financial harm. And, and the courts are going to be real reluctant to to, to side with him. Uh, now, are we hundred percent sure that this is negligence and not some sort of a shakedown, some sort of a you know, like what if this is what if that was their little game that they run around and, and they find injured people, these ambulance chasing uh, like helicopter riders. And they say, hey, look, we'll give them some morphine. Everybody, we'll take, we'll just take everybody on helicopter rides. I mean, if you're giving drumming up business, if you're giving them morphine unnecessarily, that's a different case. But that's not really what he asked. He really just doesn't want to pay the helicopter bill. Well, that's what I mean. In order to get people to ride yeah, the helicopter, I know what you you're saying, up, but yeah. you're getting, you're getting, a, you're getting. It's going to have a hard causation case on. Look, who are you going to listen to on this legal stuff? Me or Jim? <laughs> <laughs> the man say, who, who says what you want to hear. Sue him for two billion. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. billion. Now, if uh, if only he lost some fucking <laughs> rabbits. <laughs>
Now, from Greg Steiner, longtime oh, listener, yes. uh, we have a question. Hi, now, if we ever wind up in a slow news week on the report, which, hey, here we are. Uh, we just covered the bunnies. <laughs> I'd love it if Jim could explain the difference between terrorism and hate crime. Ah, I mean, uh, he says, I mean, from a legal perspective as opposed to the philosophical standpoint. Uh, and he says, as in how something is defined as one or the other and what it means uh, once they're defined that way. Uh you know, he says it may not be the most fertile soil for yucks, but I think it would be interesting uh, at least. Okay, well, we'll do well, we'll do something do informative, it. you know, because I, uh, I I wonder about that myself. What what is the difference there? Okay, um, uh, terrorism or terrorism related charges generally cause you to interfere with or threaten or use intimidation or threats to influence a policy or a group of people, whereas a hate crime is any crime that's directed at someone simply because of their status as, you know, um, a minority, uh, gender, sexual orientation. It's it's really, hate crime is a much broader statute, but terrorism has a lot wider of activities that can be can be considered. It's it's uh, But really it comes down to, are you trying to just hurt someone because of their race versus trying to influence a policy or prevent a policy through intimidation, threats, and violence? Well, what do you think is the it ha, it more heavily penalized? What, what, are the penalties worse, you think, for terrorism or hate crime? They're, they're both pretty bad. Um, I, you know, terrorism, terrorism statutes aren't used a lot in state court. They're more of a federal court situation, but I've certainly seen making terrorists like threats. They just, the times I've charged, had the cases, they were so ridiculously overblown. They were mm. usually like a kid, like, I'm not doing homework, so I'm going to blow up this school. Mm. And, you know, nobody really thinks that anybody was in danger. Now, hate crimes are one of my least favorite laws. I've been long opponent of hate crime legislation because what you're trying to do with it is, is um, you're, trying to public, you're trying to punish ideas because they're offensive to us. Yeah. And, and I never will support anything like that, even if I find those ideas offensive. And um, no, I, I find them, they, they really, really capitalize crimes that, that already have punishment. So I think hate crimes are actually worse, most in my personal experience. That being said, I've never represented, you know, Sheikh Khalifa Mohammed, who <laughs> blew up the World Trade Center, you know? <laughs> well, sure. Now, uh, the thing is, could you use terrorism as the defense against a hate crime? In, in, in essence, like if hate crime means that you are you do it just to hurt somebody, you know, because you hate them, if you go, no, 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 I'm trying to, like, affect a change here. Uh, Think it through logically. Let's, let's use the words, Pat. Let's see if you can come to this conclusion. Okay. I didn't commit a hate crime because I'm a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't think it's a good defense. Oh, okay. Well, see, Greg, you thought this wasn't fertile ground for yucks. <laughs> well, so so the the difference is if you're trying to make a difference in your community, it's terrorism. <laughs> well, you don't don't yeah yeah kind of if you're trying to if you're trying to change something mm -hmm. and you're using violence or intimidation, that's terrorism. But if you're doing it just for the fuck of it because you don't like somebody, yeah, you see a Jewish guy and you go waste him because he's Jewish, like that's. That's bad. I'd be curious about this. Is there any... Can you have a hate crime... Uh, in order to, to have a hate crime, does it have to be a, a minority or a member of a minority group? And if that is the case, uh, is it is it then impossible to have a hate crime against women? No, women Women are one of the... Uh, I, I'll be. I'll confess. I haven't looked at the statute in a while, which is sad because Greg sent us these questions weeks ago, uh -huh. showing you know. Did he really? Do. I don't know. You yeah. gotta get these to me quicker. So, yeah, um, uh, but uh, no, yeah, I know. I really gotta make an effort. But no, I, my understanding is there's actually listed classes of people. So, if like gender is definitely one of them. I know that. See, now why would that be? If if why, if there's more women than men, and this might this is maybe really elementary to a lot of people. Why are women a minority? 
They're not a minority, but they're a protected class. A protected class. A protected class, yes. Uh, And the reason for that is because traditionally women have been one that have been discriminated against because of vaginas. They have them and we don't. Yes. At least I don't know if you do, but I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. Currently, no, I. I uh, <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm concerned easier to with, dig a hole than build a pole. <laughs> if they have a, uh, if if the, uh, if 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 women are minor, a protected class, but they are, haven't they? You know, since they're, um, you know, part of the government, they're part of everything, right? Don't, don't they? They've discriminated against themselves, Pat. Haven't they? They're on the list. Okay. <laughs> Kevin no, McCandles. no, that's not the case. That's absolutely <laughs> not the case. I can't even point out the number of things wrong with that. Here we have uh, from Kevin McCandles, uh, or Canless. Dear Pat, hi, long-time listener. Just wanted to ask my uh, uh, one question here. And, uh, he says it's dopey and, 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 and ill-informed, and yes, you know what? It's, it's not. That's the, exactly the kind of question we want. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says, is being a criminal defense lawyer, especially during a trial in court, nearly as exciting and dramatic as movies make it out to be? And he says, uh, if not exactly exciting and dramatic, is it way more interesting on a day-to-day basis than maybe 90% of the other sort of tedious jobs that exist on the face of the earth? I guess he wants you to just, like, express some gratitude for being an attorney. Well, I do think that it is certainly more interesting than a lot of the tedious jobs on the face of the earth. And Mm -hmm. in addition, I think it's more interesting than most other forms of law. Oh, really? I do. I absolutely think so. I'm in court all the time. You get to, I mean, you get to really defend cases that are that are dramatic cases, the cases that people do watch on TV. Uh-huh. Is it nearly as dramatic as exciting on TV? Under absolutely no circumstances is that the case. Because what I love about the TV lawyers, they never show them, you know, writing a 64-page motion to, to suppress a police officer's search. They never show you researching DNA and going to a hearing to determine if there was the best and positive methods for testing for DNA. They never show you the 47 adjournments that occur because the Spanish interpreter's late that day and you oh, <laughs> just wow. can't get it in. So no, it's it's incredibly boring at a lot of the times, but the trials the trials are incredibly exciting for me. I find them fun. Most people who's watched them watch them has never really been very disappointed unless it's an incredibly boring case which happens yeah so, so who do you think are some of the more, more colorful and fun to watch defense attorneys in town well our friend greenberg oh right howard, greenberg. howard is always an entertainment to uh to watch him there's a guy out on long island now, well, let me ask about howard greenberg what's so entertaining to watch about him i, I understand he has he's a he's an uh he's a colorful looking character let's start there to start yeah because he often doesn't wear socks he doesn't look like a yeah and he has a, a lot of hair a lot of hair and he is uh he, he just he, he sort of like uh, he has an unusual appearance, so um, so there's that, and then the kind of defenses that he comes up with, like uh, you know again with, with the, uh, the the prostitution happy case, hooker. the happy hooker case. Yeah, he, he calls him hose. He, re- he uses that. He, and, he, and he had a very Howard. Uh, Howard has quite a few of his jokes worked in. He's he's good with the sense of humor. He can be very bombastic, mm-hmm. uh, very flamboyant. Um, he's just an entertaining guy to watch on trial. Yeah, and, and a really good guy, and and, and and so fun to have him on the show. Yeah. yeah. So so him and uh, um, let me think. Who else would I? Who else would I put um, on that particular? There's a guy on Long Island named Bruce Barquette, who's always very dramatic, and Mike D. Garabedian also is another guy who are very interesting to watch on trial. They're very charismatic people. Mm-hmm. Bruce is a yeller. Bruce loves to yell. Oh, okay. But he's an excellent lawyer. Mike doesn't yell as much, but Mike's Mike's got this kind of humorous smirky sense to him that people that people find enjoyable yeah and uh, he can he can make a good joke every now and then and, um, and do you think that that humor really uh, helps you win a trial I think it endears you to a jury and I and I find that the juries 
are very confused, as they should be, because their instructions are incredibly confusing. And then they always ask for a readback on the law. And that's when they're waiting to find out what they're supposed to do. And they make it through the first readback, and it becomes very clear. You watch their face like, oh, they're really not going to tell us what we have to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I mean, they do make their decisions on all sorts of things that uh, we, we, you know, we can't really conceive of. But uh, I think that it's hard to vote against somebody you do like mm. and that you're endeared to. Or, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch the different styles and how they do. I'm, I'm more low-key and personable um, mm-hmm. than you would expect on a trial. But <laughs> it's... Uh, well, I mean, it, uh, I, I, you've told me stories about, about tantrums that you've thrown. I've thrown some, some good tantrums in court. I, you know, if, if you don't get yelled at or you don't do some yelling, you're not doing your job. Right. Now, when yeah. you yell, uh, what, what are some of the reasons that you've had to yell? One of, the more int- uh, one of the more interesting ones I had, and I think I told this story a long time ago on the crime report, but uh, it, was a, it was a murder case I had, and the client was, um, was being, uh, he, there was an informant who ratted him out. And the informant was testifying. Yeah. And I could feel my client getting angrier by the second. Sitting next to you. Yeah, I could feel him feeling. I kept putting my hand on his shoulder. I just calm down there, calm down there. And finally, the witness said something directly to him. Very similar situation in The Wire, actually. I saw that show recently. But And the client jumped up and he's like, he's like, you fucking snitch, motherfucker. And, you know, right in front of the jury, everybody. It's an absolute disaster. Jesus. They had to restrain him, uh, take him out of the courtroom. <laughs> And so my first thought... This is bad for the case. Yeah, it didn't help. (laughs) And so I started pounding on the table and shouting, you know, Your Honor, this is a mistrial. There's no way my client can get a fair trial at this particular point. The the perjury of this witness Uh. has so incensed him that now the jury is prejudiced towards him. And I started screaming and, and pounding my fist on the table and the... Judges sitting there going, you know, let me put the jury out. I'm like, no, let them see this. Let them know what this liar's doing. And uh, <laughs> You the real, figure the longer they're in here seeing this, the better your well, chance of a mistrial. The real idea was, yeah, it was either I was going to get my mistrial or I was trying to distract them as much from what they'd just seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was trying to distract them from... I was trying to make myself the bigger story. Mm-hmm. So at least if they were going to hate somebody, it was going to be me. And that's very counter to what I just said, but it was it was to try and... I mean, the judge basically gave it a destruction that, you know, you should disregard the client's outburst. But it's a lot like saying, we're just going to place this, like, proximity mine here, but just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's really not possible to set something like that aside. Yeah, so I it? tried to give them something else to focus on. I, I did that once with a sex abuse case I had also where... um. You know, the, the child witness testified very, very well. So during the testimony, I kept objecting and making a scene, and I wanted them all to say, what a, what a jerk that attorney was, and try and not listen as much to what the child was actually saying. Oh, yeah. And and so you're distracting from her testimony, but in a way that mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, that uh, I suppose it doesn't really reflect on your client. Well, it's, it's sometimes you just gotta, you gotta... I mean, sometimes you're just going down and <laughs> you just gotta, uh-huh. you gotta try and throw as many lifeboats as you can and hope you're able to get to one. I see. And, you know, but I mean, it's, it's, so I've certainly had those. And then I've also had some cases where they were going to let some really appalling evidence in or the DA really crossed the line on things they were supposed to. And then you got to yell, mm-hmm. you got to jump up and make, make everybody were aware how serious what they just did was. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, if that's what, it, what it takes, that's what it takes. Yeah. And, and have you ever been like, uh, have the, has the ever counselor? 
sit down and all that. Oh, I've been yelled at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, uh, they they bang the gavel and everything on you. They don't have gavels here in New York. They never use the gavel here. Oh in New my York. God, that ruins everything. Yeah, sorry, man. No gavels. Yeah. What no do they gavels. use? Um, they just they just shout at you. Yeah. yeah. Sounds why I'm talking. They'll usually pull you aside and give you a stern father. I don't listen. I have no They can't idea. fire me. They can't give me a raise. You're not my real dad. Yeah. So all you can do is yell. Well, and I've been yelled at before. But what's, what's the line in uh, The Inglorious Bastards? Uh, You'll be shot for this. No, chewed out. That's okay. Been chewed out before. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And if you're defending your client, that's your job. Right. And so they tell you not to yell, you're going to yell. And if you've ever been found, uh, I mean, like if you get found, like, like I guess you know what I'm about to say. It's, it's in contempt of court. Contem- I've a, never been found in contempt of court. And, and that's, uh, that's, okay, never. And judges, uh, very few people have. Yeah. Judges are incredibly reluctant to use that against a lawyer. Now, why is that? Because it's a real shitstorm. You're going to get an immediate review by the appellate division on something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and moreover, 99% of the time it's not contemptuous, and you're going to get judicial review boards. That attorney's going to have some friends in the community. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna stir up shit. It's real serious. It, it's it's a pretty big deal. We, we had an incident recently in Nassau County where they... Uh, sort of threatened an attorney for, for delaying the trial to hold her in contempt. But when push came to shove, he just backed off. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So contempt is something for, you know, like uh, regular people. It's any, it's, contempt is, contempt even doesn't really happen much with regular people because you don't want to be the person who removes, you don't want to, when you're doing a trial, you don't want to give the appellate division something to overturn your decisions on. Mm-hmm. And two, some of the biggest ones are removing a defendant from the courtroom. Oh, okay. And, you know, to, to let a trial be conducted when the defendant isn't present. That's, That's a, a huge deal. Makes it easier for appeal. Makes it wonderful for the defense attorney because you can actually listen without some guy in your ear every three seconds going, that guy's lying, that guy's lying, that's not what happened. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's fertile right. grounds for it would, appeal. It would be so much better to go to court if you didn't have to deal with all these stupid defendants. That's that's uh, from Jim Polk, Mazzy and Polk. I hope we answered your question. Uh, there. Any more? Uh, well, we have. We only had the three that, uh, for this week. That's enough. We, you've done yeah, enough. That's good. That's we, good. I think. I think that uh, you've put in some good service. He also adds, Kevin here. Anyway, love the show. Thanks for taking the effort to put it out week after week. You are very welcome. And uh, I wanted to say, Jim, I, we appreciate your time. Oh, always happy to be here. And Mazzy and Pope uh, will help justice work for you. And as you know. I'm Pat Dixon. Thank you for listening to... Uh, what is the name of the segment? Oh, yes. Free consultation free. <laughs> with James Polk. Oof. And the New York City Crime Report. Later. Is it over? 